Next case is LKQ Corporation and Keystone Automotive Industries v. GM Global Technology Operations, 2021-2348. We have two cases which we'll deal with separately because they involve different designs, and we can call this the Fender case. Thank you, Your Honor, and may it please the Court. The PTAB committed two important errors, either of which necessitates remand. First, it treated the ordinary observer of a design patent for a car fender as the purchaser of replacement fenders rather than the original purchaser of the car that includes that fender. That caused it to ignore the overall impression of the invention, as design patent anticipation law requires, and to focus on minute differences that would be irrelevant to the ordinary observer purchasing a car. Second, in its obviousness analysis, the Board refused even to consider combining the primary Leanne reference with a secondary reference that disclosed every element even arguably missing from Leanne. The Board felt compelled to do so by the CCPA's decision in Rosen, holding that obviousness required a single reference that was, quote, basically the same as the patented invention. But the Rosen rule is flatly inconsistent with KSR and makes no sense as a matter of obviousness law. This Court should reject it. Mr. Lemley, KSR just said that the TSM was overly rigid. Rosen, perhaps its language was perhaps not ideal, but if you're dealing with obviousness, you've got to ask the question, obvious over what? You've got to have an initial reference to consider whether a claimed invention is obvious over what? Your Honor, that is occasionally true, but in fact, in utility patents, the vast majority of obviousness cases involve combining different references. But one usually starts with one, the closest prior art. Sometimes one can do so, Your Honor, but not always. And indeed, in KSR itself, there would be nothing that would approximate the primary reference that the design patent rule of Rosen requires. We had two completely different parts of an accelerator pedal assembly, and the question was, could you put those two together? What the KSR court said, I think, is we don't have a special rule. We don't say, let's just start with one reference. Instead, what we say is, what would a person of skill in this field actually do? And a person of skill in this field, the court made clear in KSR, is someone who's not just going to read the written record, not just going to start. KSR assumes that the person of ordinary skill is looking at all of the pertinent references. That's correct, Your Honor. That's just where it starts. That's correct, Your Honor. And so Rosen says you don't do that. Rosen says you don't do that, and notably, the board in this case stopped by saying, there's not a single reference that's close enough, we're not even going to look at the second. Well, they did worse than that. They said, because you haven't created the correct visual impression, that is to say, you were wrong on claim construction. So if you're wrong on claim construction, we don't address 103. So I think they did say that. It just seems to me that your real key question point here is that Rosen made a mistake when it misread Jennings. Jennings simply says, in Jennings, the examiner didn't start with anything. He just made up his own mind that if you can put everything together. And the CCPA said, well, no, you can't do that. You have to start with something. It didn't say you have to start with something that's close to. It just start with something that's relevant, right? It was the creation of the, you have to start with something that's substantially the same that creates the problem. 
I think that's right. And then subsequent cases sort of ossified that into a rule that said if there is not a single primary reference. Say, for example, if I wrote a 103 opinion in which I said, well, you've made a challenge here and there's three or four pieces of prior art were there. And the problem is that the prior art piece that you started with wasn't really close to the invention. And therefore, I'm not going to look at the rest of the art. And I wrote that 103 opinion. I would get reversed. Would KSR be cited? Absolutely, Your Honor. Mr. Lemley, how do you explain the fact that KSR, I think, is 15 years old now, and we have consistently adhered to our Durling and Rosen analysis in the context of design patents? Your Honor, this Court has continued to apply it, but the issue was not presented. It was presented in only one case. That's the Titan Tire case. And in Titan Tire, this Court said, KSR actually probably does apply to design patents just as it does to utility patents, but we don't need to reach that question here. So this is the first case in which it has been squarely presented. Well, we know that... Do we have the power to overrule Rosen and Durling? Absolutely, Your Honor. I think this panel not only has the power but the responsibility to recognize that Supreme Court law is inconsistent with Rosen. And didn't the Board have that same power? I don't know that they did, Your Honor. What authority would you cite that says they couldn't do it themselves? I mean, I think the sort of closest analogy there is the Phillips case, right, which says judicial precedent binds us administrative agencies. I think it's a much more difficult thing for the Board to say, we're going to decide that the Federal Circuit precedent is wrong than for this Court to do so. It certainly may be more difficult, but I think your side asked them to recognize that at least certain aspects of our design patent obviousness analysis were overruled by KSR, but did not ask about the Rosen requirement of a primary reference. Isn't that right? No, I think that's not correct, Your Honor. And in fact, in Appendix 174, we specifically argued KSR to the Board. But did you say this sort of, you don't even get your obviousness combination looked at unless and until you come up with a single primary reference with basically the same visual impression? That specific portion of the test is overruled by KSR. Did you make that argument to the Board? Your Honor, we said, here's what we said. To the extent that the so related test... What part of the record are you talking about? Appendix 174. And this was our briefing before the Board. To the extent that the so related test operates to unduly limit the scope of design patent obviousness, such an overly restrictive view would run afoul of KSR's prescription against rigid restrictions on the scope of an obviousness analysis. Right, but the so related is the second or third step of the analysis, not the first step, right? So that's correct, Your Honor. We do also point to the fact that KSR, in the footnote in that appendix, we also point to the fact that KSR should be applied here. I would suggest, though, Your Honor, that in any event... Counsel, could I ask that you tone down a little bit? It's not necessary to shout at us. I apologize, Your Honor. In any event, Your Honor, I think the effort by my adversaries here to turn this into a forfeiture argument is misguided. Forfeiture applies to arguments, right, not to what the law is. There's no question that the obviousness question is presented. And indeed, in KSR itself, the court took the case and changed the law, right, even though the petitioner never argued for such a change below. Does the board have the authority to overrule our precedent? I don't believe it does, Your Honor. You don't believe it? Professor, you're supposed to know the answer to these questions. 
Does it or doesn't it? The board itself cannot overrule this court's precedent. I think if the board said, we believe KSR has already superseded this court's precedent, then we're in a grayer area that Judge Stark raises. Well, whether superseded or overruled, can the board say we don't need to apply KSR to design patents? I think that's something that is, in fact, the prerogative of this court and should be the prerogative of this court. And I think the board quite reasonably doesn't feel itself in a position to say we should overrule this court's opinion. But as you say, you did present a KSR argument, at least in part, to the board. Doesn't it follow that you all thought the board had its own authority to recognize that KSR overruled at least some portion of our prior cases? I think, Your Honor, we did our best in the board to try to direct the board's attention to KSR and ask it to apply KSR while understanding that the board was not going to say we are overruling a superior court. I would note, by the way, in... Is it futile? Assuming that the board does not have the power, the board's obligated to follow our precedent. And if our precedent isn't saying that KSR applies here, they've got to follow our precedent. So would you argue that it's futile? Is there a futility issue here? Why you shouldn't have had to raise this at all? I believe that's correct, Your Honor. Do you believe or do you know? Yes. Is there some sort of belief coming from California today? Your Honor, yes, it is correct that it would be futile to ask the board to do this. The board does not, I believe, have the power to do it. I understand that there is some question on that issue. What's your answer? I mean, the short of the matter is we all know that design patents are different from utility patents. And the 102 analysis, for example, is radically different. And you know that. We know that's because of Gorham, and we can't change that. And so what's the right answer? From Professor Lemley, what should the correct test be? Your Honor, I think the correct test should be the KSR test applied through the filter of the designer of ordinary skill in the art. The 103 analysis involves more than just what you're calling the KSR test, which is combining references. You want this panel to write an opinion where we now say how 103 should apply? Your Honor, I think this... Is there teach-away considerations here? Are there considerations of whether the POSA would have a reasonable expectation of success in combining the references? I think those considerations may be relevant in an appropriate case. The statute is identical. Design patent case? Yes, Your Honor, absolutely. And, in fact, there's discussion among the experts about whether a particular design element is taught towards or taught away from. I think those things could be relevant. I will note, however, that they're not relevant here for our purposes because all this Court needs to do is recognize that the Board erred by failing even to look at the secondary reference. Yeah, but then what do we tell them on remand to do? Because it's a brand-new ballgame. We threw Rosen under the bus. I think that's correct, Your Honor, and I think the answer starts with the statutory language, which is Section 103. It is identical statutory language. This Court has regularly said that unless there is a specific difference in the design patent law, we apply the same rules for utility patents as to design patents, and so I think the utility patent obviousness doctrine is where you should start. Doesn't the Patent Office, when it makes a 103 rejection, talk about a primary reference? Claims are rejected under A in view of B? It does, Your Honor. I think that's correct. 
And the problem here under Rosen is that in design patents, unlike utility patents, the board stopped with the primary reference. It says we're not even going to look beyond that primary reference. And that's what we contend is inconsistent with what a designer would do. The evidence in the record shows that clearly, and it's inconsistent with what KSR would require. Did the board not look further because there wasn't a primary reference? That's correct. That's exactly what they did, and they were explicit in the opinion that that's what they were doing. They said this primary reference is not basically the same as the invention. And so it's not just is there a primary reference, but is there a primary reference that is basically the same as the patented invention? The board said we don't find a primary reference that's basically the same, and so we're not. Basically the same is the problem. Not necessarily an initial primary reference. The fact that you stop if the primary reference is not itself basically the same, that's what Rosen seemed to require, and that's what seems to me a problem inconsistent with KSR. You are into your rebuttal time. I'm happy to reserve unless there are questions on the ordinary observer and the anticipation side. Professor, I am familiar with your 2013 writing in the Stanford Tech Review on design patent remedies. Have you contributed anything else on design patents? I have not, Your Honor. Mr. Karagas? Yes, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honors, and may it please the Court. This case is about deficient evidence and credibility findings at bottom. It's about factual findings from the board that there were seven distinct features from the 625 design that were absent from the Leanne reference, ranging across all aspects of the fender, from the sculpting to the shape of his exterior. Upon considering those evidentiary deficiencies in the context of the claim design as a whole, the board found Leanne did not anticipate or serve as a proper primary reference for obviousness. That decision was grounded in a finding of deficient evidence and credibility, not in this application of the law. That all may be true, but what if they applied the wrong legal standard, particularly for obviousness? Understood, Your Honor, and I'll go there right now. I think the issue is really here an overstatement of the holding of KSR and the parameters of Rosen. In other words, I hear Mr. Lemley saying Rosen is too strict and KSR imposes and does not allow for those strictures. Would you at least acknowledge that the standard we're currently applying under 103 for design patents is materially different than the standard we apply for utility patents? I would agree with that in a sense, Your Honor, but I think it's important to consider, and Durling touches on this, Rosen touches on it before Durling, that there's a difference between design patents and utility patents. And we do put parameters around the obviousness question in the utility context. So there's nothing wrong with parameters. We see motivation to combine. We see reasonable expectations. But here, the argument, of course, as you know, it's not a parameter. It's unless you can start the analysis with a single primary reference that creates basically the same visual impression, the analysis stops right there. That's very different than what we do with utility patents. And it seems inconsistent with KSR saying no rigid rules. So I don't think it's as rigid as LKQ is saying. And if you look back to, again... Would you make it more rigid if we're just talking about degrees of rigidity? If you don't have the Rosen reference, we don't look at the prior art. How could you have a more rigid 
rule for because, design patent 103 analysis? Because I don't think Rosen presents an overly, it, it's, it's not overly strict in what constitutes basically the same. And I, it, I think it's a little difficult to know in the abstract what does basically the same mean, what does substantially uh, the same mean in the anticipation context. But the Campbell case sheds a little bit of light on that. And what it says is, we're looking for whether there are substantial differences or major modifications in the primary reference that would be required. So it's providing a starting point. Or is that's what Rosen calls it. And the reason we have that starting point that is maybe a little different than what we have in the utility context, and the Durling Court talks about this, is because the design patent analysis is a little different than the utility context. It's more abstract. We're asking judges not to look at whether limitations are fact finders, rather, whether limitations A, B, and C are met. We're looking at a design from a, from a more abstract perspective and whether it's basically the same as, as one or more references. And what can a reference teach away when we're talking about ornamental design? C- could a reference teach away, Your Honor? Teach away, yes. I mean, that, that, that's one of the criteria for dealing with obviousness in the utility. Sure, and I think certainly in this case, this wasn't something that the board addressed in detail, but I think that when we look at the prior art Leanne reference that was taught here, it's far more angular in every regard. If you have a design patent for billboards, something that's on a billboard, and and some piece of prior art has recognized that you don't have this little loose piece floating in the design because it'll blow in the wind, so one of the, the design poses says you don't do that because it, it, it's counterproductive to your purpose. That's teaching away from doing that. It, it could be under the facts of that case, yes. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here is we're looking at a reference that was so different. It was not, we're not talking about a reference here that was close and there maybe was a misapplication of Rosen that led to, led to an overly rigid analysis. This reference wasn't even close. There were seven distinct differences between the prior art made as a factual matter um, and... and the question uh, is whether they are very different differences or are they small differences. And, the, and the vo- you, Then you say to yourself, well, if the ordinary skill in the art had been the purchaser of the car initially, he wouldn't have noticed these things. So he would have found them to be insignificant. And I think just... So the ordinary observer's anticipation... Um, but it was, and there was no dispute about who was the designer of ordinary skill. I'm happy to answer questions on the ordinary observer if you like. Does, does this panel have the authority to discard Rosen? I mean, I think it's one in which your honors may have to. I mean, we have a rule that one panel can't overrule another panel. Yes, and so I think it's maybe one. We with... recently uh, sidestepped that rule and. California somebody somebody case where we got rid of an old precedent. And we did it in a case called Atlantic Thermoplastics some years ago. I think we've done it three times in 32 years. So we have the power. Yes, and I I, I certainly do not think this case is the case to say that, that KSR overrules Rosen at all. I think if this court were to consider that, it would be one that would need to go in back. Can we affirm the decision below without dealing with the KSR uh, Absolutely, Your Honor. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at um, with the overwhelming factual findings here. And when you look at, well, let's go to obviousness, with, which I think addresses Your Honor's question directly. Um, there were, like I said, seven distinct differences that the board found, and only two of them 
they argued, were found in this secondary reference. So we have the primary reference, which was, excuse me, different in seven ways. They made the argument to the board that the secondary reference cured two of them. It cured the shape of the wheel well and the shape of the terminus. Nothing else. So we're still left with extensive differences that the board found as a factual matter, both from the perspective of the ordinary observer and from the perspective of a skilled designer. You're saying even if we were hypothetically to apply what we understand Mr. Lemley to be wanting for KSR, the case would come out the same way. I think that's exactly right, Your Honor. And the factual findings which were... Given the fact that there was really only two pieces of prior art. This isn't a case where there were nine pieces of additional prior art on the table that never got considered. Yes. This is not a case where there was a robust amount of prior art. And it's not a case where there were one or two differences in the primary reference to the secondary one. This is not a close case as a factual matter. It's not a case where it makes sense to say, well, KSR would have come out differently. Had they raised it below, to Your Honor's point, which they didn't. But then you're recognizing, in essence, that the answer to the 103 analysis will depend on who the ordinary observer is. Not the ordinary observer. Because your argument that there are all these differences turns on us sustaining your view of who the ordinary observer was. I don't think so, Your Honor. Because they made those findings. So it's the ordinary designer for obviousness. And they made findings that the ordinary designer would find these differences significant. And they made findings that the ordinary observer would find them significant as well. So they did both. So on obviousness... Are you sure of that? Yes, Your Honor. That's rather key. Because if the ordinary designer, and there's no challenge from Mr. Lemley on that point, you may have something. We might be able to decide this case. And he lied the issue. That's right. The ordinary observer makes a big difference. And I'm happy to... Would you agree? I think the ordinary observer does make a difference in the analysis. I would agree that the... The ordinary observer, if it's just me, Clevenger, who bought the car, I'm probably not going to notice all these changes. So they aren't going to be all that significant. Perhaps, Your Honor. I think that the board in its analysis did focus on the repair context. So that the findings there, when we're talking about the ordinary observer, were from the repair context. And we think that was right. There is a market... Excuse me. So the question... It's necessary for you in order to avoid anticipation. In this case, I think that's right. And so what I would say is the proper ordinary observer is the purchaser of the claimed product who is concerned with its appearance. It's a pretty simple test. And here it was undisputed. There is a market for replacement parts in which purchasers are concerned with the appearance of the replacement part. Did the board expressly reject the ordinary observer that LKQ was actually arguing for, which was the consumer purchaser of an entire vehicle? They did, Your Honor. And I think... Where did they do that? Appendix 21 and 22. Because it seemed to me like they were just focusing the analysis at that point on folks in the context of repair, but not necessarily in the context of buying an entire vehicle. Yeah, I think... They do turn to that very quickly. But I would point out, Your Honor, this was... And I'll get to the opinion in a second. But this was addressed robustly in the oral argument, including specifically this argument. There was about 10 minutes of back and forth between the presiding judge there and LKQ's counsel. But we go on, and they do talk about rejecting... 
this argument about the, the ordinary observer, um, going directly to the evidence about automobile owners as well as insurance repair companies desiring to return their vehicles to the original appearance in the repair context. So this argument, it's, this is not an argument that was overlooked by the board. It was argued extensively and decided. In, in, in your view, uh, the board found the ordinary observer doesn't even include the purchaser of the entire vehicle. Is that right? That's right. The, 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 the board found that the ordinary observer in this case includes a consumer and the repair person at the repair context. And so we, not we, the original purchase. And we review that for clear error. Is that right? That's right. And, the, and there's factual findings here that support it. Um, substantial evidence. Sub, excuse me, Your Honor. Substantial evidence that supports it. Um, and that evidence comes in the form of uh, what you see on appendix at 21, referring to the evidence of car owners uh, caring about returning their car uh, to its appearance. It comes in the statement that the 625 design claims a vehicle front fender, not a vehicle in total. And I think that's an important point here. And it's one that we see in the Armanet case. It's one that we see in the Keystone case. The court has repeatedly come back to when we're trying to figure out who is the ordinary observer, we look to somebody, we, we look to what is the scope of the claim. The scope of the claim here is a fender. GM has patents on entire vehicles, but that's not what this case is about. LKQ didn't put forth any like a survey or any evidence, any testimony from a ordinary from me. Clevenger, the ordinary person, say when I prescribe, I really focus on the fender. <laughs> no, Your Honor, there, there was none of that. There were two experts who were both experts in the design field, but not uh, a survey or anything like that. They weren't experts as consumers. I think what they would say is it should be yeah, from the perspective of a consumer, an original purchaser. Um, Can I take you back to the KSR question yes, for sure, a moment? Um, even if it was not clearly made below the argument that Mr. Lumley is pressing today, we have discretion nonetheless to reach it, don't we? I would agree with that. And, you, you, so why shouldn't we exercise that discretion? Two reasons, Your Honor. I think this is not the case for it, to answer Judge Lurie's question, uh, pivot off of Judge Lurie's question. This was a case where... There were so many differences, and the result isn't going to change because we've got the board finding seven differences, and they only argued two were found in the secondary reference anyway. So I, I don't think that this is a case where it makes sense to even address that issue because we're not going to. The result's not going to be different. There were robust fact findings that support the outcome either way. Uh, Your honors, I think unless you have additional questions, I can see the remaining minute and thirty seconds of my time. Thank you. Thank you. Counsel, Mr. Lumley has a little north of two minutes. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, uh, I want to make a couple of points. Um, first, uh, I don't think that you need to go on banc to uh, apply KSR correctly. Uh, Judge Clevenger, you're right that uh, there are a few cases in which you have expressly overruled your own precedent, but this isn't that circumstance. I think this is more analogous to uh, a case like patentable subject matter or injunctions after eBay, where the Supreme Court changed the legal rules. This court didn't go on banc and say, we need to change our precedent. This court, when the case came up, recognized that the law had changed. That's and it when the apply. Supreme Court told us in a specific case that we were applying the wrong rule and told us what the correct rule was. That, that's correct, Your Honor. And I, and I think that happened in KSR. And the only thing that is different here is that it hasn't yet filtered down to design patent cases because it's never come up in a case where it made a difference. Well, that's a reach. I mean, the Supreme Court didn't have design patents on its mind in KSR. No, that, that's correct, Your Honor. Uh, 
Uh, right, but I've had obviousness on its mind, and, and, I, and I think the, the statute is the same and the test should be the same. Second point I'd like to make is um, uh, this is not an appeal from a district court. Uh, uh, my learned adversary suggested, well, maybe you could affirm on the grounds that we think it would turn out to be ob- non-obvious anyway. That's not correct. Uh, under SEC versus Chenery, uh, if the agency failed to make the factual determination, the proper course is to remand and instruct them to make the right determination. There's no question that the agency here failed to make any determination as to what it would look like if and you you're combined. You're saying a Chenery violation if we were to resolve this case in assuming KSR applied, they lose anyhow. That's correct, Your Honor, because they didn't do that. Uh, they didn't look at the secondary reference at all. Valid point. Um, uh, and then, as, as I think counsel conceded, um, even if you thought there were waiver, and we don't believe there is, this court in Taylor versus McDonough makes clear that appellate courts may apply the correct law, even <coughs> if the parties... If we were to uh, agree with you, would you view the change in our law to be a minor, relatively insignificant change, or would you consider it a major change? I, I, no, I, I think it is a significant change, Your Honor. I don't think it's minor. Key change? Um, I, I think its actual impact is probably going to depend on the individual case, but it would definitely change the way the... Uh, and would, would you advise a panel of a court to make that bold and big decision or to prefer to have the in-bank court? Uh, Your Honor, this court certainly could take the case on bank if it wanted to, but I think... Which is a matter, you're a professor, which is a matter of preference in, in the... In the judicial system. I, I think in this particular case, the, the panel should make the decision because what the panel would be doing was recognizing that KSR changed the ground rules, not saying we are we have decided ourselves to change the ground rules. Uh, and that well, We would be doing that because you told us this. You could e- equally tell the in-bank court in a petition the same thing. Uh, we could, Your Honor, and we're happy to do so if that's what's required, but I think that it's not required. Well, there's a sufficient amount of doubt expressed on the bench here today as to whether or not KSR really applies here at all to suggest that perhaps this issue is not an open and shut one as it is in your mind. Well, Your Honor, I think as it's briefed in this case, right, the, uh, there's, there's virtually no reason to think KSR should not apply, at least to the extent of requiring the board to look at the secondary reference. Uh, and that's what the board failed to do, and we think that necessitates remand. Counsel, as you can see, your time has expired. And you can revisit this in a few moments. So we will take this case under submission. Thank you, Your Honor.